What's up and welcome back to a special edition of Propel's Talk presented to you by Boot Crew Media and Company Burger. Located at 4600 Ferret Street, we are joined today by some of the greatest guys, well, in my opinion, that cover the New Orleans Pelicans. First off, uh, from Bourbon Street Shots, Shamit Dua, followed by Jake Madison of Locked On Pels. And of course, we got the goat of spaces, Chris Connor, and then the Rattler brothers, Garrick and Raff of Pels Pod, part of the New Orleans.Football Network. First off, guys, thank you all so much for joining, and let's get right into it. Uh, we'll go first with Schmidt and Jake. Schmidt, real quick, you know, give me your thoughts on on CJ um, and the fit that's going to happen here in New Orleans and and what they gave up. Did you think that they gave up too much uh, to go get uh, CJ McCollum? I think CJ McCollum is an A plus fit. I've been calling for this dude for for months, and I'm very excited that they finally have a guard of his caliber on the team. Someone who can create off the dribble, can create for others and just take attention away from guys like Brandon Ingram and, and Jonas Valanciunas, and hopefully uh, Zion Williamson um, soon come, right? With, as far as what they gave up to get CJ, I think it was a very uh, appropriate deal. All of this kind of uh, chatter in the national airwaves about the Pelicans giving up too much and, and draft compensation, I think is is hilarious, honestly, because the picks are are protected really cleverly. And, you know, the Pelicans still have a chance to retain any top four pick that they jump into. And if it conveys to Charlotte, if they make the playoffs, which is a good thing, you know, making the playoffs is a great thing. Um, the Blazers will get a Bucks pick, which is also protected. So uh, as far as the the players that were given up in the trade, um, I, I mean, I can't speak for everyone here in the committee, but I'm probably, I would say, the lowest on Josh Hart, um, at least in, in, in like um, maybe the Pelicans media sphere. I've never been quite so high on him. I thought this was the exact right moment to capitalize on his improved play uh, and, and his team friendly contract. And then uh, it sure seems like Nikhil didn't have that much league wide value either. If he was flipped to Utah for basically a second round pick. So um, I thought the Pelicans did great there. Yeah. Jake. So Schmidt had asked, you know, talk about the national media. I think Bill Simmons had a tweet. I think it was either yesterday or two days ago, whatever it may be saying that this was a bad deal for the Pelicans. You know, what are your thoughts? I know you have some strong thoughts on that. Uh, interested to hear on your thoughts on that. I, I mean, look, if if I actually cared what Bill Simmons said, that would matter to me, but I don't. So it's really just kind of like as simple as that. You know what I? This is just a general piece of advice. What I would say: find the people you like and trust in media, and go listen to them, and don't listen to the ones you don't. And I don't need to listen to Ben Simmons, who clearly doesn't watch this team. And I wonder how much of the NBA he actually watches in the first place, because you know, even putting the fact that we, you know, we're fans of the team, and there's some homerism to it, I think this is a good deal for New Orleans. You know, I had spoken to our Blazers host for Locked On, and we kind of came to the agreement that it might take two first-round picks from New Orleans to get a guy like C.J. McCollum. So to only give up one and one that's protected in like a myriad of ways, I think is a really good return. And he fits like the need. You know, there's a reason this sort of deal came together and everyone had been saying this, right? It was a player that was available and he fits what the New Orleans Pelicans needed. They're one of the worst offenses in the league right now. They're 24th. They're one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league, 37th and three-point percentage. CJ McCollum fixes a lot of that. It's one of a few guys over the past seven years that's averaged over 20 points per game, right? He can be a spot-up shooter, but more importantly, he can shoot off of the dribble. They don't 
really have anyone else like that that adds a different element of spacing than just popping someone in the corner and hoping they make shots. So he really adds a lot of what this team needed. And look, you know, they they swung and missed on their flexibility this past offseason. I think David Griffin maybe didn't have the best sense of self, right, of where this team kind of stood in the NBA, clearing all that cap space, not getting anyone. So fill it with a trade and CJ McCollum, who's a productive player. And I think that's the most important thing. And I think they've added all of that to it. And he's, you know, whenever Zion is going to be back is a complimentary piece to that too. So it's a move that helped them this season and next season as well. Yeah, and I, I completely agree. I'm going to get to Chris Garrick and Raph here uh, real quick. Starting with you, Chris, you know, Culture is a big thing down here in New Orleans, right? And I feel like CJ has said some really good things so far earlier today, saying that he wanted to be here. What does that mean, I guess, to you to see a guy, to see an all-star caliber player, right? And we take a lot of heat as being Pelican fans that no one wants to be here, saying that he kind of steered his way here. He approved of of being in New Orleans. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it feels good, man, because, it, you know, like it, it – 2000 was it 19 you know when when this whole new regime started it feels like so long ago like whether it's due to the pandemic or you know just the the different things that have happened with the team um it just it feels so long to where you were in a situation to even like you know we thought getting having jj reddick wanted to come here and Derek favors was like a you know that was a big thing for us at the time but to have someone of cj's um caliber want to want to be here and then vocalize it you know day one oh man i mean you know it's huge especially when you look at all the different things though from the off season in the past where you know you hear you know rumblings about you know maybe why a guy like how Lowry Lowry didn't didn't want to didn't come to new orleans or you know why they you know the pelicans couldn't get a tim hardaway jr and some of the other people that you know they went after that, that they tried to overpay um the you know the the rumors about any type of mistrust within the front office and all the different bastions that the that the franchise takes repeatedly, whether it's deserved or not, to have that come full circle, you know, with someone who is um, as just not just not just open, not the, you know the personality, him being in the uh, you know players association. I mean, you know, CJ has a lot of you know he, he's a lot of pool, he's a lot of connections. He you know he he talks. And it's dealing with you know with a lot of players. It's just it's not a it's not just a just a regular guy saying yo I want to be a part of the situation. And this is this is a situation that's not even full yet, right? Like it's not even you know the the biggest piece right of it, or that we or that we're most excited about. We were most excited about the piece in which this thing was all built around isn't even here. And he's speaking about wanting to play with the guys that are here, the young talent, Brandon Ingram. So. Um, I, I mean, it's, you know, it's great to me. I just hope, you know, you continue to build off it and it just adds to a wonderful day. And that's why I am drinking at 220. <laughs> By the time this game starts, boy, I don't know where I'm going to be at. I'm going to be in what front of a TV drunk or not. What are you drinking now is the real question. None of your goddamn business, Justin. <laughs> my cup is in my cup. I see you, Chris. <laughs> Garrett, go you ahead, brother. Me? Hey man, listen. Uh, first of all, thank y'all for uh, having us on, man. Uh, this is this is this is nice. I love seeing all of these faces, uh, all of these guys that I so much respect. Um, man, CJ is a home run. Uh, he's a home run. Uh, first of all, you talk about a guy who fits an exact need uh, for what we need at this point in time. 
you know, our guard play has been up and down, uh, you know, all throughout the season uh, between the guys who have been here uh, and the guys who still remain here. So inserting a guy who's a 20-point-per-game scorer, uh, fringe all-star, uh, just to kind of plug into that, that section right there, uh, it's just, you know, phenomenal, phenomenal work. Uh, but, you know, the, the thing about CJ is that, and, and Chris kind of alluded to it, is the respect that he has, right? The respect that he has off the court uh, among the, his peers, but the respect that he's going um, gonna to have on the court as far as X's and Y's go. And so, you know, it's one thing to be really good at what you do. It's another thing to strike fear in a heart. Uh, of people. And so, you know, CJ is one of those guys that you have to, you know, game plan for. And we already have what three of those guys already on the roster um, between JV Zion and Brandon Ingram that you have to design some form of game plan for. And now you just drop CJ in there and that's just an extra, an extra headache that you have to deal with when, when you, you know, when you're playing it defensively. Um, and then like, just, just the fact of him speaking about, you know, you, you think about all of the things that we've been through uh, in this city and, and, and with this team and the amount of, you know, shots that have been thrown our way and things like that. And I have CJ, a guy who is, uh, you know, so well-respected and so loved uh, around his peers. You saw the video that Portland put out. Um, he's heavy in the community um, and things like that. Just to have that kind of guy um, come in and, and speak so well about the organization. Um, he mentioned Trajan. He mentioned David Griffin. Uh, he mentioned Brandon Ingram and his play uh, in his presser earlier today. He mentioned these guys by, specifically by name. Um, so these, this is things that he's done. He's done his homework. He's a smart guy. So for him to speak about the way that he does, um, it rings bells, not only through this community, but throughout the NBA as well. Yeah. I mean, that's well said, Raph, what are your thoughts, I guess, to see Brandon and CJ play tonight? You know, what are you excited to see with those two on the, on, on the same court? Yeah. Uh, I think there's a lot to be excited about. Obviously, uh, B.I. can't be quadruple teamed on every possession. Uh, you've got to respect C.J.'s ability to score, right? Uh, but on top of that, uh, he kind of alluded to it today in his practice presser. Uh, C.J.'s known how to play different roles, right? He's been the primary scorer with Damon's out. He's been a follower uh, to some degree while Damon's in. And so what I'm looking at in terms of this acquisition is now when somebody asked us earlier today, like, is this something that uh, helps the team push for, to, toward the playoffs this year? Um, or is this something more long-term? And I'm like, why Why not both, right? This is something that uh, you bring in a veteran presence who's able to obviously fill a big hole on this court uh, and on this team where you're lacking a lot of shot creation to, to, to other people's point thus far. But also, it helps grow the young players on this team. There's so many guys on this team that, you know, all respect to Garrett Timble and things like that. You're not you're not gaining in your, your talent uh, uh, of knowledge when you're playing with a guy like that. But when you play with a guy next to CJ, who you can learn from, you can learn um, how is he able to get to certain spots? How is he able to find things that fit his skill set well? That goes a long way for Trey. That goes a long way for Najee. That goes a long way for Jackson, who's able to feed off the type of uh, space that he creates. So you so many guys on this team grow from a guy like that. And I, I think that um, the transition period will be one that's kind of smooth, right? And he's a guy who knows how to play in different uh, roles. And I think that that's going to go a long way for this team. Yeah. Um, so now this is actually an interesting question here from Reggie. I'll let Jake answer first and go to Schmidt. Uh, you know, with CJ in the lineup tonight, what, what is your expectation for product from production wise for like a guy like Devonte Graham? So Jake, go ahead. And then, and then Schmidt. 
You know, I think this is going to be really interesting, right? Because it feels like he should be probably on the bench, but they're also going to probably start him. And I think you're really going to get an idea early on. Do they view CJ McCollum as a guy that can really handle the ball? I think, you know, he hasn't done that primarily through his career, but I think he's definitely got a tight enough handle to maybe try and initiate the offense more. So I'm going to be very curious. I mean, in terms of like actual production, I'm not sure, but you're certainly going to see a bit of a shifting role for Devontae Graham with maybe designs on having him come off of the bench, you know, uh, eventually when, when everyone's healthy and back, whenever that might be. And I think that could be the ultimate goal here. I think they should probably start to at least integrate some of that now versus later, but I, I don't think you're going to see a ton of that necessarily in game one. So I think this could be a bit of a slower introduction of CJ McCollum to the lineup, but also it wouldn't shock me if they just kind of rip the bandaid off and go with it too. Yeah. Schmidt before, you know, I'll let you answer we we mean a discussion about the starting five. Do you think? Oh, first off, what do you think the starting five is tonight? And then, if Jax isn't starting, will that really matter to you? I guess. I mean, because Jack's been so good at the four, right? Of starting and his energy level and things like that, he's been really productive. Is that going to kind of take a hit to his? I don't know. Just say confidence or not? Or do you do you think it really matters? Uh, to answer the Jackson question first, I don't think it'll take a hit to his confidence if he's being displaced in the starting lineup by CJ McCollum, uh, of all players. I think he recognizes how good of a player CJ is and, um, understands that, you know, CJ is coming in and Josh was a starter for a long time. And, um, you know, he was, Jackson was doing what he could to make the most of his current opportunity. What I'm super curious about is how they end up staggering the minutes just for the guards, um, Devontae and CJ is already a pretty small backcourt. Are they also going to do a Jose and CJ backcourt, which is also pretty small again? Um, I mean, I think you'll definitely you're going to see minutes, more minutes in the smaller uh, direction to start the um, start CJ's tenure, especially as Larry Nance is getting healthy, especially as Zion uh, is not on the roster. But I agree with Jake that they're probably going to trend away from it. Uh, as they sort of progress. And and I'm definitely off the camp where they should rip the Band-Aid off and, and kind of get things going. But uh, with regards to Jackson, I think as long as they're able to find consistent minutes for him, and I think them not uh, making any last-minute deadline deals and then Nance still being out six weeks still gives them still gives Jackson an opportunity to find minutes at that four spot, um, probably as like one of the first people off the bench, maybe second person off the bench and get some minutes in there with Jonas and then get some minutes in with Billy if, if Billy's playing. And then honestly, um, if you kind of look at Jackson's last couple games, he's done a lot of damage at the five as well. I think he's just had confidence of, of playing with good players. And I think that's kind of been the problem with Jackson. At least one of the things I've been trying to emphasize that he hasn't had good guards to play with good players to set him up. And he's been put in bench units that really lack creation and sort of Jose stepping up and running the offense has opened up things for him. I think the team is doing a better job finding him. And then obviously um, just that confidence of, of playing well. So I, I anticipate him to, to maintain his production now that I think the team kind of recognizes, Hey, he's a really tall guy. We can get him the ball and he's gonna nine out of 10 times. He's going to do something at the rim. That's, that's really good. Yeah, you know, Chris, we're talking about starting lineups, so I'm interested to hear your thoughts on what the closing lineups mean. You know, to me, starting lineups don't really mean much as long as the guys are getting minutes. Chris, what do you think, you know, tonight, especially, you know, five minutes of a two-point, three-point game, who would you like to see closing out? I mean, the lineup that most of us want to start the, you know, to start the game, you know, uh, CJ, uh, of course, at the one, 
B.I. as your the two, I mean, who's playing multiple multiple roles, positions, her with the three, uh, Jackson and then, and then Jonas. Um, you know, I think that, you know, it could depend on, you know, how now I'm really I'm really interested in how they defend Miami. You know, that that might make that might play a, you know, a role in what you end up seeing. I mean, I would, you know, ideally I would I would love a situation where, you know, maybe uh, you know, if if you wanna if you want more the basketball mind in me at some point would with this team would want to see Trey in there and maybe and maybe Jackson at the five, but I'm not but I'm not there yet for multiple reasons and I and I, I do think you need you need J B out there. Um but yeah I mean that's the lineup I would you know I would assume that they're gonna close with and it makes it makes the most sense. Um yeah, I mean, I, I I don't um, I think the size, the the amount of options, the you know the dribble handoff that you can run with Jonas and um, you know CJ, you know because and I forgot who ended up mentioning it. Like, I think it was Rat. Like you, CJ has been in so many different roles. It's not going to be difficult for him to like at least from my perspective for them to find ways to get him involved. And you know, you look at the things that he said, you know, that he said throughout the year when he was coming back from, um, I, I forget what happened. Was it a collapsed lung? It, it, it was something that, they, that ended up, that ended up happening. With yeah. Him. It was a collapsed lung. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he comes back and he's like, you know, you know, there he's being asked about how, how is he going to fit in with, you know, with Simon's going off and some of the other, some of the other players in Portland that have been playing well, you know, in his absence, he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to get in where I fit in, man. It's not going to be, it's not going to be difficult for me. Like I know, you know, where, you know, I'm going to be able to fit throughout the offense, but I'm not going to get in anybody's way. I don't think that you're looking at a, at a real transition, you know, from what he mentioned there to, you know, to this team. I mean, CJ has so many different ways he can impact the game, whether that's, whether that's spotting up, whether that is with the ball in his hands, whether that's staggering a lineup when Brandon is out or whether, you know, whether he's, you know, taking, uh, you know, he's being a decoy of sorts, um, you know, so, yeah, I mean that's the lineup that I would that I would ultimately run Jackson JV there and you know having having CJ at the one and I hope I hope ultimately that's the lineup that, that they really end up starting with um, because it just it gives you so many different options and um, it's gonna open up it's gonna open up so much for number one it's gonna make life easier for your you know for your star players the guys the guys that have been doing a lot of the heavy lifting throughout the year um, I mean I'm just really excited to see. Um, how teams attempt to guard that lineup right now, yeah. and that's before we even talk about Zion. I mean, I, I, I think it's I think it's more difficult than people realize. Yeah, Schmidt. I mean, I saw in the private chat. I'm gonna get to you uh, in a second, Garrick and Raf. Uh, but you said you like the idea of Trey uh, closing out. Could you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, just sort of this player who is um, really big in terms of his size on the wing and can hit open threes so it can defend multiple positions can get on the glass and hit open threes that type of player is a player that every single nba team looks to have in their their closing lineups pays a lot of money to have uh in their closing lineups and so if they can continue to develop him he's that exact player that you want to slot in 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 some of these closing configurations whether or not uh zion is healthy and he also in my opinion, in the future will allow you to play big or small or like a super big version of small ball. Um, and, and so 
I'm kind of glad while, you know, like I was tweeting about they, maybe they should look into KCP. Maybe they should look into some of these uh, wing size players that can guard the perimeter. A part of me is relieved that they didn't bring in one of those guys because it does give uh, someone like Trey the opportunity to take those minutes and, and see what they can make out of them. And, you know, if Trey does it, awesome. If Najee does it and proves that he can get back in the rotation, great. You know, those are the the exact kind of guys you want to be able to throw at opposing uh, perimeter players. You'll, you'll go guard them, and then, you know, they're not negatives on offense. They, they can play within the role. Yeah, and, you know, I'll start with Raph and go to Garrett. You know, Raph, I, I'm glad you brought up Najee because he had a great night the other night. But the emergence of Trey Murphy and Jose Alvarado and, and Jackson Hayes, you know, Raph, it's not like an easy decision on who the group is, right? So, you know, is, do you think Willie stays with the hot hand and goes game by game, or do you think they'll be kind of like, I'll give this closing group three or four games and then go from there? I mean, if we've seen anything this season, it's Willie Green's ability to be at, at, adverse and actually respond to what's happening in the game, something that we didn't necessarily have last year. So Trey went from not playing for weeks and going down to the G League and going in a protocol to closing the game, right? And so I think that Willie Green would be the type of coach that would look and say, what is the game giving you? Like, what am I seeing? Who's having a hot hand to your point? And that's who we're going to close up the line on. So to your point, it's like, hey, uh, what's the starting lineup? What's the closing lineup? I think that might differ on a night-to-night basis. That's what is so exciting about this team. Even without Zion, it's a good team and it's a versatile team. Not to mention, you know, Tony uh, Snell is also a good shooter, right? He's a player that might be able to mix, be thrown in the mix at some point. I'm not saying he's getting big minutes or anything like that, but now you've got a slew of options off the bench with – a couple months ago, we were like, where are we getting contributions from? Because right. there's not a lot of people who can score, right? And so uh, I think that in a situation like this, I think Willie Green will look and see, to Chris's point, I would love, I mean, last time I was on this this with you, I talked about Jackson. I would love to see Jackson continue to grow, but I think it depends on a night-by-night basis and you ride whoever um, is shooting you to, to a victory. Garrett, go ahead. Yeah, man, we uh we've gotten to a point where we 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 are in a situation where we have too many like players to play, and we're in a situation where we uh have like a wealth of options, and we don't really know what to do with it. So, um, you know, at this point, again, I, I'm I'm with everybody about Trey. Um, you know, Trey is is that guy that you would love to to slide in, but I think the most important thing here is that the innovation. Um, and the dynamic, you know, the, the ability and the willingness uh, to be dynamic by, um, by Willie Green is what's going to make uh, this team special. It's because you have so many switchable bodies. You have so many things um, that can go, you know, that can so many pieces that can be plugged into so many different ways that Willie Green won't have to. He won't have to, you know, commit to one way to playing one way. Um, like Shamit was talking about the supersize, uh, you know, small ball. Like that's a situation where. If Zion is your, you know, is your the biggest player on the floor, like what does that do for pick and rolls? What does that do for dribble handoffs? What does that do? Um, you know, how does that affect the game uh, for the defensive end? And I think that the Pelicans now have a bunch of players in a in a in a situation where they have rosters where they can bend the defense and make them uh, kind of react to what they do. Um, and so I, I'm, you know, CJ coming in and the amount of ball handling. And scoring, uh, you know, that he's going to bring in. Uh, I would love that. You know, you have to have him on the floor uh, to close out games. You obviously have to have your closer and Brandon Ingram to close out games. Um, and I think, like, after that, uh, you know, I think it's really so much of who is going to be where uh, as far as, you know, with Zion be out. I think, you know, some days 
her might be in uh, just because you might need a stop, uh, you know, or something like that. But you also might have Trey in the game. You might have Devontae Graham finishing because he's riding, you know, he's hot and he's hitting the shot. So I think, you know, the ability to have all of these players um, kind of plug in and, and do what, what works for them. Uh, I mean, we saw Willie Green go to Jared Harper for a half. Um, in a game, and then he never played in a game again. So we see, you know, that he's able to kind of do and, and pull from whatever is on his roster um, at that point in time, whatever he needs at that point in time, and roll with it. And that that's one of the things that I love about Willie Green. We saw so many times last season um, with the previous regime where it didn't matter what was going on, four <laughs> quarters, six minutes to go, uh, five minutes to go, four minutes. You knew who was coming in, regardless of who was playing, whether it was Najee going off, whether it was whoever was going off, you knew that those guys were coming in at a certain time. Um, but Willie Green has shown an ability not, you know, not to do that. And the, the players have bought into that system without arguing, without complaining, without pouting anything. So I'm very excited to see what Willie does with all these toys in his toolbox. Yeah, and basically just to get gather all y'all's comments, it's nice to have options, right? And it's not just, as you said, just five guys. There's options now, which is nice. But Jake and Schmidt, I know we got like five or seven more minutes left. I want to get your thoughts. Uh, we'll go Jake first and Schmidt. Jake, does, does this move save David Griffin's job? Whether or not they make the playoffs or not, does this move yesterday save David Griffin's job? I mean, yeah, I, I I don't know if to the degree that he would have been in danger this offseason anyway, necessarily, but certainly this buys you time, right? This again is about this year. They're they're already on what a four game winning streak right now. They're surging a little bit. They look to fe you, you feel good about their chances at least getting the tenth spot over a team like the Sacramento Kings, and then who knows what the you know the Lakers who didn't get a deal done and who are an absolute dumpster fire right now are going to look at it like that period in time. So maybe you can catch lightning in a bottle at the right time with or without Zion and get into the playoffs, you lose in the first round, but that's a big win for the team and a step in the right direction. And you can easily sell this for next season as well. And when you kind of look at this move in the larger picture of this past off season, you know, it, it starts to make it look a little bit better. So I think this, this certainly helps. And look, this was a good move. I think we all agree that this was a really good trade. So, you know, there, there was maybe a little bit of desperation to it. The way I've kind of described it is like the Pelicans have been a poker player. That's maybe losing some chips. You finally get a good enough hand, so You may as well go all in on it. Even if maybe you could have made a better move later down the line. He did the right thing here. And I think it's going to be fine. You know, I think that, you know, the key for David Griffin is his relationship with Zion Williamson. But, you know, while this move helps today, it's going to help next season too. This also hopefully sends a strong message to Zion that, hey, the team isn't actually as dysfunctional as maybe he once thought or media has made it out to be. So maybe, just maybe, this kind of sends a message to him. And if that's the case, then yeah, he'll be fine. Shamir, go ahead. Yeah, I think... Zion being hurt saved David Griffin's job. And then, you know, the combination of Willie Green and being successful with Herb Jones and uh, just the moves in general this uh, offseason um, kind of put the danger out of David Griffin's job, I would say. And I don't think this move in particular uh, moves the needle in, in one way or another, because I still think that if, if Zion is super healthy, like he comes back in a couple of weeks and, you know, puts up all, all NBA level numbers. And this summer he goes like, Hey, I'll sign that deal. If you send David Griffin away, I think they would do that. Right. Um, I just don't think that that's a situation that's going to happen. Um, I don't think Zion's going to make that demand either. And I think this ownership group has shown that they're willing to be patient. 
uh, with their management, and they you know they've certainly afforded uh, the previous regime a lot of uh, chances, and um, they've definitely been patient with David Griffin through the, the sort of turbulence that's been in the early portion of his his tenure, and so I can't imagine them rushing to make any sort of moves, especially since they're still paying Stan Van Gundy, and and I think they're still paying Alvin. I'm not entirely I sure. You, I think it just got done. Alvin got done. Uh, Alvin just got done, right? I mean, yeah. they, there's a lot of sort of like that dead money, and and they're also gearing up to be an expensive roster now that, you know, CJ's on the books, and, um, you know, you have uh, Zion's extension coming up, potentially Jackson's extension coming up if he's going to be uh, on the team passes rookie deal. And um, just, you know, I think a general investment in the team, though, I think this uh, – luxury tax redistribution situation going on with the league and golden state and uh, uh, the Clippers who didn't, you know, really make any tax avoiding moves right now. I mean, there's still time at the end of the season for them to do that. But, um, and I think the Lakers, there's a lot of teams that I think the distribution right now is like around 11 million. These teams going to get around 11 million. That's a, that's a nice check, right? That's a, that's a good check. So um, yeah, I think, I think Griff's safe. Good. Chris uh, Lakers don't make a move. Thoughts. I, I, I'm like, I'm celebrating just solely off of that. I think it's fucking, excuse my language. I think it's hilarious uh, in the first place. Let's go ahead. Chris, I think that's you something curse. to drink to, bro. I think you might want to need to take a drink <laughs> yeah, to, to, the, to the dumpster fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is beautiful, man. They lost to Portland last night, man. They lost, they lost, they lost to Portland. Like, I mean, we saw, we saw Josh Hart's jersey and his new number. He wasn't in there. I mean, he didn't play. Um, I mean, they lost to, uh, Anthony Simons and C.J. Ellerby. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, what do you what do you want me to say, man? I eat like 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 I I drink Laker tears, man. Every 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 morning. You asked me what I was drinking. That's exactly what's in here. Man. <laughs> like like look, I mean, dog. Like I I, I tweeted I tweeted about it early, man. I was in a because you know we we now as a as a Pelicans community. We travel together to Lakers spaces after every loss. Yes. Okay. Every time the Lakers lose, a bunch of us, Garrett included, we travel to Lakers spaces to hear. I am unapologetically petty. Unapologetically petty. <laughs> I don't care. I'm unapologetically so, petty. I mean, look, man, Taylor, Taylor, Taylor Horton Tucker, man, bless his heart, man, had 14 and seven, and it was fans saying that it that, that was a he that that was a masterclass. I, so I, I mean, look, like I'm, I'm in heaven, man. What the, the Pelicans are, are now? What three games back? Three games. Um, yeah, three games back. Yeah. I mean, there was there was some rumblings yesterday before the trade deadline, and maybe the Lakers would be able to, um, you know, to get off of Russ's deal and bring in something. It didn't happen. Uh, LeBron's talking about drinking wine and going home. He said he's tired. Like, you know. Anthony Davis is getting is getting destroyed by you know like yo man I mean he <laughs> poor poor Giannis man because look right like I and I was asking I was talking to Justin um um about this or and a few other people like I remember a game in like 20 whatever whatever year it was 2013 2014 where AD and, and Giannis played and Giannis was super young and game was in Milwaukee Tyreek Evans goes out sprains his ankle the Pelicans end up winning but AD talking mad shit to Giannis and now man every time Every time they go against each other, Giannis just feels you know, he looks as if he feels disrespected that there was ever even like a comparison between the two. Um, so no, but but at the at, at the end of the day, man, I I look at it like through everything that that has happened, 
for this to be in this for them to be in this situation and them not to find a way to improve and then not looking like it's going to get better outside of maybe you know firing firing Frank Vogel whatever that does uh, from a roster perspective they're pretty much stuck and you know that puts the Pelicans and teams below them in a much better situation in regards to catching up <laughs> that's funny um you know so and, and i don't know i don't know how the situation gets better i i can't tell from any from any laker fan that i or, or writer or blogger or you know podcast host that i talk to that you know that sees a you know a route to get better so i mean it just makes like the pelicans have three games left or or, or three games against the lakers i don't know three two one or the other but the first one is at the end of the month um I mean, by that time, for all you know, I mean that could be that that could be a game in which New Orleans has an, has an opportunity to pass them up in the standings. Um, it just feels good for so many different reasons, and that's outside of what could happen with that draft pick. That's outside of you know the future draft picks that are, you know you know that are up. That's outside the whole Anthony Davis situation. It just um, you know we were supposed to be the ones. You know, the Pelicans were the team started off one and twelve, three and sixteen. They were the franchise that was supposed to be laughed at, and now, like you're right here, you're losing to Portland. You're losing to Portland without <laughs> right. Dame Lillard, without C.J. McCollum, without the people that you just traded for. Like Nurkic had Anthony Davis looking completely normal. Um, yeah, and um, I take pride in that. Yeah, it's perfect. And uh, Garrett, before I get to you two, I don't know, Schmidt or Jake, if y'all know anything of that Griffin's joining Willie Green and his presser uh, at five. Do y'all know anything about that? Or Yeah, it's 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 going to be his media availability, just, I think, talking about post-deadline and the acquisition. So, um, you know, they, they've made that available to the media. I'm sure uh, a bunch of us are going to be either there or on the Zoom trying to get uh, questions in and uh, hopefully get some – Nice uh, word salads going on. Uh. <laughs> yeah. And look, I, guys, I can't thank y'all enough. I'm going to ask one more question. I'll let y'all go. I know y'all are crazy busy. Um, we'll go with Jake. Then I'll go Schmidt. Then Garrick Raff. And we'll close out with Chris. Uh, Jake, winner or lose? Give me your winner of the trade deadline and loser of the trade deadline. Ooh, that's a good one. Look, the Pels are definitely in the winners. I also think uh, the Indiana Pacers and what they did was really great. It- and honestly, probably the losers are both the Dallas Mavericks and the Washington Wizards with that Spencer Dinwiddie, Chris Stapps, Porzingis, Ugly. just horrible, like soul crushingly <laughs> bad for both teams trade that makes me sad to be a fan of either one of those franchises. Yeah, I didn't think that. it was bad for the Wizards. I thought Bertans is a terrible contract. I think Din- I've never been high on Dinwiddie and he's also a terrible contract. And so for them to sort of at least get a, a player who's been – Decently productive this year. I mean, Przingis kind of stuck it up last Wet, year. Wet and healthy. Yeah, but he's been, you know, he's been okay. And, like, what else are they – they got off of, like, two terrible deals with the guys just aren't good, period. Um, and so, you know, now they can kind of play around with if, – if Beal sticks around, which I think they're going to give him all the money he wants, um, you know, they can play around with that and and some of these, like, versatile forwards they have uh, with Denny Avdia and, and Rui and, um, and I guess KCP is going to be – part of the core i don't know what's going on over there oh they have kyle kuzma too i forgot about that guy um so i, I don't think they're necessarily done making moves but i certainly in terms of like losers definitely the lakers um i would say i would say like some of the teams that didn't get moves done like i think like houston's a pretty big loser um just not being able to move off of christian wood or, or eric gordon um you know i think that uh boston uh is a pretty big winner big fan of them 
acquiring Derek White, getting um, Daniel Tice. They, I think, you know, have been on a pretty good run lately. After they they started off a little bit shaky, they had a bunch of COVID stuff going on, and, and they've kind of excised some bad players in their rotation and turned them into good players. Um, players that fit to fit what they're trying to do. So I think they're just going to be a good team. Um, but man, I, I want to go back to the Lakers stuff just for yeah. a second, just to talk about the beauty of, of the pick that the Pelicans own. It is only top 10 protected and the Lakers are 12. That means if two teams pass them up, that pick is the Pelicans pick. I mean, look, the Pelicans are right there. The Kings are gotten better. Maybe the Kings can catch up to them. Maybe the Knicks go on a run. Maybe they get healthy. I don't know, man. Like we should be rooting. Maybe Porzingis like single-handedly like wills Washington past the Lakers. And then I don't know. All we need is like LeBron to go on another sabbatical, go down to Miami for a couple weeks, you know, enjoy the sun. Um, and, and get away from it all. We, we know what what happens when you know he's trying to be the lead man. Like let let, let this all play out. I, we're really close, and and it's not even like you know like oh if it's a top four we get it. It's top ten. They're two they're two places away. That's it. Two places. One of those could be the Pelicans jumping up, and then we just need one more team. Garrick, I love the way you just said that. That I'm I was already having a really good day. That just that was a cherry on top. Now we just gotta get a W tonight. But Garrick, go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm 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 all right with Schmidt and Chris, bro. They they were in the spaces talking about how Stanley Johnson was gonna save their season, bro. I was <laughs> it, it was beautiful, it was beautiful, and I listened to them sell sell themselves on Stanley Johnson. And like Chris, I was sipping a nice cold glass of Ducey, like man, look at look at the times, bro. But but um, as far as my winners go, uh, I'm gonna go a little weird on this one. I, I think that 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 Brooklyn. Uh, uh, Philadelphia trade as ugly as weird as it's been all throughout. I think that both teams kind of got what they wanted, um, and they they kind of got better. Um, I like Harden with with Joel and and the dearth of, of defenders with Matisse Thybul, um, and and uh, and Tobias Harris out there, and and him kind of running the show with Joel and Bead. I think he'll find like a new sense of of of, of you know of purpose there with Joel uh, talking about Harden. And as far as Brooklyn goes, I mean they're all in for whatever this time is with Durant, Kyrie, um, and, and, and you know what they have now. I think that they're all in, so they could care less about draft picks, the future, the money, everything. I think that they're all in. And a team with Ben Simmons, uh, you know, with his all of his faults, uh, he can pass the ball. You may not be able to shoot, he can pass the ball, and you surround him with Kevin Durant. Uh, and Seth Curry, uh, Kyrie Irving, and then also have, uh, you know, uh, Andre Drummond as a backup big because they, they're going to need size. They're going to need um, somebody big to do something for them. Uh, they can't rely on Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge. So I think, you know, both teams, as ugly as that whole situation has gotten and everything, I think both teams uh, made it out all right as far as they go. But, of course, I'm just going to stick with the Lakers being losers. I mean, they, they, they have to – we have – they have to watch that team for the rest of this season. <laughs> and it is it is going to be it I, I don't need a reason to root against the Lakers. Like I don't need any additional reason. But as far as the pick goes and like Shamit has talked about, we you know we right there as far as, as as procuring that pick. Um like that's just added incentive to hop in them spaces and drink them Lakers tears with Chris. So so cheers my brother. Cheers yeah. on that. <laughs> that was very well said Garrick. Raph go ahead brother. Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to be a homer here, but I, I obviously think the Pelicans are in the winner's circle, similar to Jake. Um, I mean, not to the same magnitude, but look at what Chris Paul going uh, to Phoenix did for them. Obviously, it, it bolstered their team in a way where everyone got better. The bigs got better. The young players got better. The whole team got better. And I think CJ will have that type of 
of impact both on and off the court. I'm going to be petty as well. I'm very petty, just like my brother. I'm so glad the Mavericks made that dumbass trade. Because I stayed, I stay in Dallas, and I got to hear about them dudes talking about Luka versus Zion. And now I'm about to look at their roster and be like, this is what you want us around Luka with? He just signed the max. He about to he about to add out because they don't have any operations to get better either. They don't have any draft picks. They just got terrible fits. Like I'm I'm in several group chats and everybody's like, we just got who? He shoots what? I can't wait till he waves off Luca and everybody's pissed off in the lock. Like I cannot wait to see that team. Wait. Bro, the one thing I can't wait for, I can't wait for Luca's uh first conversation with Spencer Dinwiddie about NFTs and uh crypto. Can't wait for it. Yeah. And so, you know, to me, you know, I look at those teams, obviously Mavericks in our company, you're always going to have the comparisons with them being in our same division and Luka and Zion being of similar age and Zion's not playing. And this team got this team is good outside of him. If you take Luka off the Mavericks, they're the last place team in the league. And so I just can't wait to see the two teams develop and see what arc they take. Um, and so I think this deadline, was, they're the worst losers of everybody in the league, other than the Lakers, because they're yeah. going to shit show all the season long. All right, Chris, you're going to close us out, but I'm going to put some rules on it. You can't say Lakers and you can't say Pelicans, okay? So give me a winner or loser, because we all know the Lakers are losers, but give me your winner uh, and loser without saying those two. Um, Sorry. Hmm. No, 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 no. That that's fine. I mean, I, I'm I'm with I'm with most of you guys on the well, actually, Garrick in regards to Brooklyn. I, I more so than Philly. I mean, I think Brooklyn, Brooklyn won because you know when Kevin Durant is healthy. I mean, he's arguably the best you know the best player in basketball. Um, I don't know what's what's going to happen with Kyrie if he's ever going to play home games again or what or how that situation is going to look. But at the end of the day, you know, it gave them you know they have options. They have they they were able to add. Um, a bona fide, you know, shooter and a guy who continues to get better. Um, and Seth Curry, you know, I don't know where those draft picks are going to go, but I mean, it's just it just gives them more options than they had, you know, yesterday, right? You know, whether whether that involves Kyrie or not, you get you get Andre Drummond, and with some and with some of these talents, sometimes you just trust them to be able to find a way to make it work. So, um, yeah, I mean, I really like what they did there, and if. If if they are able to put everybody on the floor and those guys are are healthy, I mean, I like it for Ben Simmons. I like whether he yeah. wants to shoot the basketball or not. I mean, I, I, I like having th- those amount of scorers and shooters around him to be able to spread the floor. Um, and I think, I mean, for it's just it's, it's going to be a paradise for him. Um, so, we'll you know, we'll see what happens with there. And losers, yeah, I'm with all of y'all, Dallas, man. Um, I, you know, you don't have you don't have Tim Hard- you don't have Tim Hardaway Jr., you traded for Spencer Dinwiddie, but you could argue that Jalen Brunson's playing better than him right now. Um, so I, you know, I, I just I don't see how that makes him better, really at all. I mean, at least when Chris Stapps was out there, to you know Shamit's point, you know you had somebody that, um, you know, could just give you something different versus it being you know a backcourt presence. They have nobody that they can that they can that they can dump the ball down to to just give a different look. Um, I don't. I don't understand it. I don't get, you know, what I don't get the route. It just feels like, you know, they're they're hoping Luca can go, you know, 25-year-old LeBron James mode and spread out the floor and you know, you get some type of production from, you know, from these backcourt guys. Um, I think that it makes them worse and I could see them dropping down the standings, in all honesty. That might not be, yeah. you know, we could be looking at a spot where we'd be like, damn, Pelicans three games away from Dallas. I really could see that. I, I think that, that move was that bad for them. 
Yeah. Well, look, guys, I've, I have so much respect for y'all, especially, you know, Jake and Shamit. Y'all been doing this for years and y'all are some of the best in the business. And I can't thank y'all enough for all the hard work y'all do and joining this. And, and then Garrick and Raph, I've known Raph for a long time and y'all do a great job. And Chris, you know, with the spaces, man, I, I can't tell you what you've done for this community just to put us all together, you know, night in, night out, whether we win or lose. I know that we have something to look forward to uh, at the end of the night. So I can't thank y'all enough. Again, Jake Madison, Schmidt, do it. Garrick and Raf Rattler, and then Chris Connor. Uh, hopefully, Pels play tonight against the Heat at 6.30, then I think Saturday against the Spurs at 6 p.m. Um, both at home, big stretch coming up. So once again, guys, thank you all so much. Hopefully, we get to do this again, and uh, let's go Pels, I guess. There we go. So appreciate you, fellas. Thank you. Appreciate right, y'all. All right. Talk to y'all later on. Yes, sir. See y'all at the game. Way. It was a finger roll of anything. <laughs> that, that, that's a dunk.